0: Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN.
1: When you look at at bench players,
2: when you're out in the the free agent market, a lot of guys aren't looking for 150 at-bats or 200 at-bats. They're looking for everyday playing time. Um, I don't think people are like just admit that they're looking for that backup role. And when you think about like bench, I mean, we were sort of looking at like Matt Carpenter, someone that would give us that veteran presence off the bench. But even he hasn't, you know, played as well as we would hoped, given the fact that he was used to being an everyday player. So it's not just spending, Randy. It's really about having a mindset of accepting that role. Mm-hmm. Got it. That was John
0: Mozaylock back in August, talking to the morning show about how difficult it is to find players willing to accept a bench role. And it is the Danny Mac Show here on 101 ESPN. Dan out today, open to be back tomorrow with Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie here on 101 ESPN. Tanner, we've talked so much about improving this offense going into 2021 or 2022, rather, for the Cardinals. One place where they could use an upgrade is on that bench. Last year, prior to Lars Newbar arriving in the big leagues, they really didn't have much of a bench to speak of. The first half of the season, you cycled through three or four different outfielders, none of whom really were able to make an impact on the big league roster. You're
1: clearly forgetting about Jose Rondon because I, he was awesome.
0: Even early on, he didn't make much of an impact on this team. They were cycling through a bunch of different guys to be able to figure out, okay, what does this bench bench construction look like for us? Going into next year, we've talked a lot about adding bench bats what if they have them internally already though what if Lars Neupar and Juan Yepes and maybe Brendan Donovan and Nolan Gorman are those guys as we're looking at what the Arizona Fall League looks like right now the Glendale what is it the dogs Glendale yeah something dogs something dogs down there where the Cardinals are playing Nolan Gorman's batting 375 for him Brendan Donovan batting 365 Juan Yepes 310, Lars Núñez 314, all of them with an OPS over a thousand right now. Tanner, is it possible that we're looking at? Uh, it's a tough comparison because this team won a World Series. Can this group be Memphis Mafia 2.0, or is that too much to put on them?
1: No, I think they can be. I, I think that I don't think that's a lot to ask, and I get it. The Memphis Mafia won a World Series, but salty dogs—is that what they are? Oh, salty—that doesn't sound right. River dogs, maybe. I'll look it up. Uh, but I, I, I think they could be. And we talked about it yesterday. Desert I had, dogs. That's what they desert are. Desert dogs. That makes way more sense than river dogs. Uh, but we talked about it yesterday. I gave you three prospects that I thought are kind of floating under the radar. And remember, I don't think John Jay was a top prospect coming up through the Cardinal system back in 2011 or 10 when he made his debut. Same with Daniel Descalzo. Those were guys that just kind of grinded out in the minor leagues, came up, and then had really good big league careers. And I think that's something you could see with a guy like a... Brendan Donovan. That seems to be the kind of M.O. for a large new bar. Guys like that that aren't going to come off the page like a Nolan Gorman for you, where he's a top prospect and a top 100 prospect in Major League Baseball. But these guys have the potential to be guys that can just provide a little bit of an impact or provide a little bit of a spark that could get this team going at the right time when they get called up. Like I said, I compared Brendan Donovan yesterday to uh, a little bit maybe of a Greg Garcia type kind of player, a guy that's just going to grind it out, really work on at-bats at at the plate. Those are guys you need coming off the bench. You don't need that guy that's just going to hit the home run every time he comes off the bench. You need a guy that can get on base or at least battles and works the pitchers count sometimes. So I think it's possible they have that because everybody that's down there in the Arizona Fall League is playing really well. And I saw someone ask a question on Twitter. When was the last time the Cardinals had guys perform like this down the Arizona Fall League? It's that That's a tough thing to go back and find because, like, I can't think of... they have I think they sent eight guys down. All eight of them have done pretty well that were prospects. Jordan Hicks left early, but he's not really a prospect. Other than that, everybody we've talked about has done very well in the Arizona Fall League.
0: Yeah, you look at what that 2011 team had with Jay, Cosma, Descalso, Craig, Robinson, all of those guys, they played specific roles. And that's what you need. You need guys that are going to fit into whatever the role is that you need from them on that particular team. And I think that's what's important to think about when it comes to these guys. No, they're not going to be you're not going to suddenly have Mike Trout and Lars Newpar. That's OK. If you have a really good overqualified fourth outfielder, that's a good thing. That's one of those problems that every team would like to have. Look at what the Braves had at the end of the season. They ended up missing out on Ronald Acuna Jr. because of his injury for the second half of the season. And they went out and got four outfielders. One of those guys, when they were playing home games in the World Series, wasn't able to play in the starting lineup. And that was fine because you had an extra bat that could come in as a bench bat for you. That's what Lars Newtbar's role most likely is going to be next year. Juan Yepes, I have no idea what he looks like in the big leagues. I don't know. But last year, he was too good to be down in A again in 2022. He's probably going to need to start the year in the big leagues for you. He's on the 40-man roster. He's somebody that has just crushed at every level that he's been at so far this year. He deserves an opportunity with the big league club next year. Does that mean that he's going to be a bench bat? Very well might be. He might not start as your designated hitter. And again, that's okay. He can work his way into that role. And if he earns it, I think this next manager... Ali Marmol is going to be willing to do so. And that's something that's really important is you're going to need somebody in charge that is willing to go this route, that is willing to play the hot hand, even if that does mean going with a young guy over the veteran. And he had a comment with us. I think this was right after he got the job talking about how difficult some of these conversations are and why he's ready to embrace some of those.
2: You have to be able to have a relationship with a player where you can tell them the things they don't want to hear and they still respect you for it. Um, Cause that's constant, right? Over 162 games, it happens often. And you have to be able to tell that player, the the truth and not beat around the bush hey here's why this is happening and they may not like it in the moment but you do it in a way and you create enough equity in that relationship where you can you can have that and at the end of the day they may not like it but they still respect you and they respect the decision um if done well that's the case um so i i completely agree that having those honest conversations um and just being truthful with them is the play
0: I think one thing that came back to bite the Cardinals this year was not having some of those honest conversations earlier. I mean, you look at Paul Young and the struggles that he had, and I know eventually it was the injury that got him out of the lineup, but you could have gone earlier in the season when he was struggling the way that he was. Maybe it would have been better to, be, to give Edmundo Sosa an opportunity earlier on in the season. That's something they didn't decide to do, but next year when you do have so many capable bats potentially coming off of the bench, I think it's something that they'll have to consider. If you have Tommy Edmund struggling at second base, if it lasts for a month to start the season, you probably do go to Nolan Gorman as your everyday second baseman for a little bit of time there to find out, okay, can we catch lightning in a bottle here? Is this guy ready to go as an everyday second baseman for us? Those are the kinds of things that I am intrigued by for the Cardinals going into next year.
1: Yeah, and I think they are going to have a little bit of a quicker trigger. I think they realize part of the mistakes of last year. I mean, look at what they're doing in terms of the offseason right now. What's their plan? It's going to be at pitching because they learned their lesson last year. I think this is one of those offensive lessons that they're going to head into this coming season and say, "Okay, we weren't quick enough in moving on, not moving on, but making a change at a position when we had guys struggling. And the example there is Paul DeYoung. I think they will be willing to do that this year. If Tommy Edmund struggles against right-handed pitching, as you said, I think Tommy Edmund gets about a month. And if he struggles, then either he switches to a platoon with Gorman, if Gorman's up, or he just becomes that bench back, kind of that utility guy for you, that Swiss Army knife. I expect them to be a lot quicker this year in their decision making. They they've seen very kind of slow and reactionary to last season I expect that to pick up this year and that's probably the best thing for the Cardinals that way they can avoid going through the funks that we saw in the offense and going through the tough times in June and stuff like that
0: the Cardinals last year if you're looking at just pinch hitters for them they were right in the middle of the league in terms of OPS they were at a 670 OPS from their pinch hitters the Giants whose manager just won the NL manager of the year last night They were at a 720 OPS from their pinch hitters. That's 50 points of OPS better than what the Cardinals were. That's what the Cardinals are chasing right now. They're trying to figure out, okay, how do we go from where we were last year with our bench bats to where the giants were a year ago. And it's not like they had a bunch of superstars. They didn't have Jock Peterson coming off of the bench either. They went with mostly no names or guys that prior to the 2021 season, we didn't know a whole lot about. Maybe this is the best route for them. I'm not saying it for sure is. But if they decide to go this route and they invest elsewhere, this is the important part. You can't just go cheap on the bench bats and also cheap and young in the pitching and also cheap and young on the starters uh, starting nine. It's it's not the route you can go. If you're going to go cheap here, it means that you get to spend more elsewhere. And that's what this offseason is about, is where do you go light? Do you go light with the bench? Do you go light at shortstop? Do you go light with the rotation? You're going to end up having to to go light somewhere. It's a matter of where you think your best options are, and I think for me the best options are probably coming off of the bench.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. It's coming off the bench, especially, and I'm you know me, I'm the guy that overreacts to game one in spring training, (laughs) but The way those guys are playing in the Arizona Fall League is very encouraging to me, to see them playing at that high level. It's not like they're just hitting, oh, he's got 280 and he's got seven home runs. It's fine. No, I mean, these guys, I mean, you read off the numbers. It's impressive what they're doing. They're they're all hitting above 300 down the Arizona Fall League. I think this is the route you go going cheap. And if I'm being honest, I think we kind of saw that in the wild card game for the Cardinals of Mo kind of foreshadowing the future. And the reason I say that is I thought it was really weird that they put Juan Lopez on the Wild card roster, I think that's telling you how much confidence they have. I mean, you don't just put a guy on your wild card roster, a winner take home role, unless you didn't think you had a kind of role for him. And if they're going to do that in the wild card game, I think they're going to do that heading into this season. Say, okay, that's where we're going to go cheap. Now it's now we can go like you said, spend the money on pitching, go get a starter, go get another bullpen arm. I think that's the way the Cardinals are going to go. And I think it was a little bit of foreshadowing in the postseason for Mo.
0: The other thing, and why I do have a little bit of confidence in what the Cardinals have right now in those Triple A players that could be coming up to the bigs next year. Look at the guys that we've all been upset at the Cardinals giving up on in recent years. Luke Voigt. Adoles Garcia, Randy Rosarena, Patrick Wisdom. These are guys that never really got a shot for the Cardinals at their big league club. And then they go elsewhere and they produce. And we're all looking around, wondering, well, why didn't they get that opportunity here in St. Louis? I think for that reason, Tanner, as I look at some of the numbers that those guys put up down in AAA, and I compare that to what we're watching right now for some of the Cardinals, both in the Arizona Fall League and also what they did last year in AAA. I don't see a whole lot of differences. In fact, some of these guys, you can argue, have produced better than some of those guys that went on to produce well elsewhere outside of the Cardinals organization. When I look at what Wisdom's done and Voight and Garcia and Randy A, it gives me even more honestly excitement about what these young kids can potentially do for the Cardinals next year. And here's the other thing that's important about using young players as your bench bats and as your bullpen arms. It allows you flexibility throughout the season because you have options on them. If you end up going out there and signing, I know I've been leading the charge for Matt Duffy and for Josh Harrison or going out and getting that fourth outfield bat with Jock Peterson or um, Eddie Rosario, whoever your favorites are of the bench bench bats that are out there. That's it. That guy's on the big league club all year, unless they decide to cut or trade him. If one of these guys fails, if they end up not working out, you know what you can do? You can cycle through other guys that are down there. If you end up finding out that, you know what? ah, It's just not working for us with Juan Yepes at the big league level. He needs more seasoning down in AAA. Let's see what Brendan Donovan looks like at the big league yeah. level. And if Donovan struggles, you go down and you find another guy that is having a big time year. See if you can catch lightning in a bottle there. I didn't think that we were going to be talking about Lars Newpar in 2021. He played he so was. well. That he ended up carving out a role for him so the flexibility is another thing that's significant here. Yeah,
1: flexibility is a big thing and then but then it adds to kind of the other side of that too for me is the pitching where would I rather have more flexibility I would rather have it in the bullpen and if we're going to go out and add guys like a Luis Garcia who they're in talks with and potentially let's say a Joe Kelly guys that we've talked about as potential fits for the Cardinals, you, to me you really want that cycle in the bullpen for when you go through these rough games of, and I get it, the rosters are a little bit bigger so it's a little bit easier. I think if I'm going in the bench. I and I think they're like I said, I think they're gonna go with the cheap route, but I wouldn't mind having a guy that I know is locked in. And if he struggles, then it's then you're in the same spot you were this year. You had like Matt Carpenter coming off the bench and you didn't struggle. But I want to make sure I have a lot of that kind of those guys in the bullpen more so that i can rotate in and out rather than on the bench i don't mind having a couple of locks on the bench because if i'm going to go out and sign those guys i have a feeling like matt duffy for example he's a guy that's kind of proven in the past that he can do kind of that role i'm okay with going out and signing one or two of those guys to lock down that bench spot yeah
0: the problem is if you do that that's your bench i know there's not a whole lot of roster spots available for this team with the way that they're constructed I I like those. uh, I like those options. I do. I I think that's one thing about this offseason is you have guys that have played that role before, and that gives me some optimism about them as well. If they decide to go that route, I get it. I understand it. I'm not going to knock them for it. But I can also understand why you would go young and cheap on the bench as opposed to elsewhere. We do have this tech. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Text line to get involved in the show from the 314 BK. But you know the Cardinals' model is to go cheap and young, which is why they are either being kicked out of the first round of the playoffs or not making it at all in seven of the last eight years. And that's why the fans call them cheap. We all know they're top 10 in payroll these days, but if you're not top five, you really don't. You really need to have top of the line player evaluation, and they're not in that category either. I'm not willing to call this team cheap because they're not. They spend money. Like you said, they're top 10 in payroll every single year. That's where they should be. And this offseason, if they go cheap on the bench and in the rotation and in the bullpen and they don't add a bat,
1: then i not call them
0: cheap. Yeah, you can criticize them and it will be fair. But if they decide to go cheap in one of those areas to be able to spend elsewhere, that's just being smart. That's deciding, you know what, it makes more sense for us to go all in on this one area as opposed to being half in on three different spots. So I've got no issues with that necessarily. So if they go cheap on the bench, it does allow them more flexibility to pay more elsewhere. Could that come with an impact bat? With Tanner Hendrickson? and I'm Brandon Kylie Saris of the Athletics is going to join the show coming up in about 15 minutes or so to talk about some of the pitchers that are intriguing on this open market. Are you willing to get uncomfortable to be able to find that impact bat? Because some of the guys that we've talked a lot about, who oh boy, does it sound like their markets are a little more robust than we were anticipating? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. Back
2: to more of the Danny
0: Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. comfortable are you willing to get that's what the cardinals are going to have to ask themselves this offseason and it's going to be the case if they want to get into the shortstop market let's be honest as much as i would desperately love seager? to watch Corey seager or carlos correa playing in a cardinals uniform just doesn't seem likely doesn't seem likely at this point in time that they're going to go the eight to ten year route at 30 plus million dollars per year i saw a report yesterday that Corey seager has interest from both the Dodgers and the Yankees. Yeah, we can go ahead and write that dream off. We can compete with
1: them? Come on.
0: <laughs> I don't think that one seems likely. So, if we're out on that market, if it seems unlikely, even if not impossible, that Trevor Story is the answer at $25-plus per year, now you've taken a backseat into the, the secondary big-time bat market. We're talking Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber, the guys that are really good hitters, but maybe have a deficiency when it comes to their defense or might not have a perfect position and probably project here as a designated hitter. We talked with Anthony Kastrovitz last week about this or earlier this week, rather about this. And he had one bat in particular that he thought was the best fit for this team.
2: The guy I, that I really liked for the Cardinals. And I, I did this in my free agent predictions was Kyle Schwarber um, with the notion that we'll have the universal DH next year. That's not a guarantee of course, but um you know, all of a sudden he becomes really attractive. I think you could fill him in here and there in the outfield, but primarily use him as a DH if he's willing to go that route. Um, Because I look at a team that, you know, had more plate appearances from the right-hand side than anybody last year um, and and did not fare very well against right-handed pitching. You know, there's a guy who would
0: address that need in a meaningful way. So how uncomfortable are you willing to get to do that, Tanner? Because as I was looking through some of the options on the open market last night, you've got Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos. We mentioned both of them. If you want to stay left-handed, Eddie Rosario's out there. Jock Peterson. I'm not super worried about being left-handed so much as I am just that you can hit right-handed pitching, and that means Marcana is out there available. Abascal Garcia is available, who's a pretty good hitter. Nelson Cruz has just mashed for his entire career, and that didn't stop last year. Are you willing to go the extra year? Are you willing to go the extra 2 to $3 million to be able to get these deals done?
1: I am, because I believe that the Cardinals are in need of another impact bat. I, I don't think they can come into this season. if And if they d- ultimately did decide to go with, all right, we're just going to get a bunch of, couple of guys that can platoon, we'll add to the bench. To me, that's not good enough, because I do believe that they need that kind of that fourth bat that is the impact bat, because Goldie, O'Neill and Arnado, those three are good. But I just believe you need four to be a World Series contender, in my opinion. You'll get into the playoffs with those three. I just think if you're going to get over the top and you're going to try and take down these uh, mammoths like the Dodgers and their rotation, or you're going to take down, I'm assuming the Braves will be back next year, the Braves. To me, you need four impact hitters in the middle of that lineup. And if, if it costs me an extra year or it costs me an extra two to three million dollars right now, I'm more than willing to do that because I just believe you have to go get a bat that is going to hit right handed pitching. I preferably would like it to be on the left side. That's why Schwarber's the guy for me. If you're not going to go to the shortstop market, he seems to be the perfect guy that would be that D.H. I don't think he would have an issue with accepting the D.H. role. I know that the Red Sox are playing him at first base, but. He's clearly he clearly was not comfortable there. I I think that he would be the perfect guy that would take the DH because he knows his defense isn't his specialty and he knows he's getting paid for his bat. So to me, I'm kind of with Anthony Castrovins. If it costs me an extra year, say it goes from being a three-year deal to a four-year deal, I'm more than happy to do it to get an impact bat in this one. Why lineup. do you
0: like Schwarber more than Castellanos? Because my I I put down the top five for me. My top five because I I like Schwarber a lot for impact bats that do not play the shortstop position. So setting shortstops aside, while we all acknowledge that we would love to have one, let's play in reality for a minute as well. Castellanos would be number one for me in terms of the impact bat that I can add. I've got Schwarber two. I think the guy we don't talk enough about is Nelson Cruz because he's right-handed and he's 41 years old, so I get why we don't talk about him, but the dude over the last three years is at 290 and he has an OPS plus of 152, which is a about 25 points higher than any of the other bats that we're talking about. He is the best pure hitter of anybody that we are referencing here. So Cruz would be three for me. I've got Jock Peterson, four, and Eddie Rosario, five as fourth outfielder slash DH types why do you prefer Schwarber other than just the fact that he's left-handed or is that it
1: well I I do want a left-handed bat I just feel like this as Anthony Cashman said this team is very right-handed heavy and I think you need to add a left-handed bat to kind of split up some righties whether that be putting him in between Goldie and Arnauto I'm a believer that Goldie should become your leadoff hitter for next year against right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching so I, I just feel like there needs to be more balance in the lineup and adding a left-handed bat. And I, I believe that when Kyle Schwarber came up with the Cubs, and he came up at the same time of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, uh, Wilson Contreras, I believe that he was the best all-around hitter on, in that core that came up. And I just still think that he's gone more power. I just think he is still a very good all-around hitter for the Cardinals. Nick Castellanos is as well. I just really want a left-handed bat. That is kind of my number one Here's thing. the thing,
0: though. Why do you want a left-handed bat? To hit righties, correct? Like Because correct. They, they project better to hit against right-handed pitching. Nick Castellanos last year, and I know batting average is not the end-all be-all. It is it is a more than this, and Castellanos, regardless of the number, he's great. Stat. Batting average for Castellanos last year against right-handed pitching was 310. Batting average last year for Kyle Schwarber against right-handed pitching was 265. If you want to go with OPS, Schwarber was awesome. 990 OPS against right-handed pitching. But Castellanos wasn't significantly worse. He was at a 940, and he also hit really well against lefties. Castellanos was a 950 OPS against left-handed pitching, whereas Schwarber struggled more against lefties where he was at a 790 OPS. He's, he's got more significant splits. If I'm going to go this route, I just want to do that can hit. I don't care if you're right-handed, left-handed, switch hitting. I don't care where you hit from. You could be in the other dugout for all I care. If you're able to find a way to put the bat on the ball and you're consistently putting the ball in play and you're getting hits, uh, by all means, find a way to do it. And so for me, I understand that Castellanos being a right-handed hitter doesn't sound like it would significantly help you against righties. He does, though, because he hits righties really, really well, just like he hits lefties really, really well. I don't care where you hit from as long as you can hit right-handed pitching. The problem for the Cardinals, at least in the past, is that too many of their right-handed hitters can't hit righties. So you've got platoon options that you don't really have a lefty bat there for. That's where those bench bats that we talked about in the first segment come in. If you've got Tommy Edmonds struggling again next year against right-handed pitching, and yes, I understand. He's a switch hitter. He struggles against righties. If he struggles again in that situation, Well, that's where you go to Nolan Gorman, who is the lefty and hits righties very well. If you've got an outfield Harrison Bader, he returns to form where he struggles again against right-handed pitching and you, you need that guy in your lineup that can hit for whatever reason. And you want to take him out for Lars Neupar. I would disagree with that maybe because of how good he is defensively, but Lars Neupar is that lefty bat that can come in there for you. If I just want a pure hitter, I don't care where you're hitting from Nick Castellanos. uh, If you want to go with Nelson Cruz, those guys can hit regardless of where which side they're coming
1: from. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have an issue with bringing in Nick Castellanos. It's just, just kind of, you know me, I'm a more old school, because I still would like to see pitchers hit next year, but it's kind of just that old school of, I want to have a left-handed bat in the lineup that I can trust. And... That, that's just kind of my thinking of it is because I get it if they hit right-handed pitching and they're right-handed, that's fine. I just feel like you need someone that shows a different look to a pitcher on that left side of the plate. That That's kind of my thinking of it, and that's such an old-school kind of uh, standpoint, but that's that's just kind of how I view it. I want a left-handed bat that can just mash right-handed pitching, has just pure power, and to me, that's what Kyle Schwarber is, and a perfect DH.
0: The, the place where I would get on board with you is depending on the price. If Nick Castellanos is going to get five years and one hundred and twenty five million dollars and Kyle Schwarber is going to get three years and fifty million dollars or sixty million dollars. Let's go a little more expensive there. I mean, I would go with the Schwarber route, right? Because then it becomes a price price situation as opposed to just are we talking righties versus lefties? If we're just talking, hey, those guys are going to get the same amount of money. Both of them are getting four years and 80 or something like that. I think I would prefer Nick Castellanos of those two guys because he is he differentiates from what you currently have. If you're looking at Schwarber, he is a really high on base percentage guy that strikes out a decent amount and doesn't have a very high batting average. If you're looking at Castellanos, that dude puts the ball in play regularly, and he has a really high batting average at all times. I do think there's something about having different styles, different approaches within your lineup. And I think having another guy in there that consistently hits about 300, I think that could be really helpful for this Cardinals team.
1: And to your point there real quick is... How well will like a guy like Schwarber translate to Bush, a ballpark that is very pitcher-friendly? That's a good point. A guy, Castellanos, who puts the ball in play and can spray it all over the place probably does play a little bit better in this ballpark.
0: He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's the d and Max Show. Dan out today, hoping to be, to be back in tomorrow. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll talk about the pitching side of things. Who do you think is out there that projects the best for this Cardinals rotation? We'll do that at 1045. But next, Eno Saris, he covers MLB for the Athletic. If you're looking for somebody to break down pitching in this market, this is the best guy for it. Who does he want to see the Cardinals go after? We'll ask Eno Saris about that next on 101 ESPN. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101
1: ESPN.
0: Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the Danny Mac Show here on 101 ESPN. Dan out today, expecting to be back in tomorrow. We've been talking a lot about the pitching market and how the Cardinals can upgrade this rotation. It's been a little surprising to me that we've seen so much movement already. I know it's only three guys, but with the CBA coming up here in about two weeks or so. I wasn't sure how many we would see sign early. Eduardo Rodriguez got a five-year $77 million contract from the Detroit Tigers. We saw yesterday Noah Syndergaard signed a one-year $21 million deal with the Angels and then Andrew Heaney signed early with the Dodgers. One-year $8.5 million and right now we're talking about that pitching market via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line with Eno Saris. He covers MLB for the Athletic. Eno, we always appreciate the time, man. What have you made of the early signings that have taken place on the pitching market in particular across Major League Baseball?
2: Rodriguez surprised me a little bit just because I thought teams and players would wait for the CBA to be renegotiated uh, to know exactly what the penalties were for going too close to luxury tax, uh, you know, what the qualifying offer situation would be going forward. Um, I wasn't surprised by something like Andrew Haney to the Dodgers because that's one year, $8 million. That's basically the player saying, this is where I want to sign. And that's the team saying, you know, this is a, a one-year shot in the dark. Um, you know, we're, we're, not, uh, we're not putting too much on the line here. So I thought there would be a lot of that kind of one-year deal uh, situation going down. Um, you have to think that the Eduardo Rodriguez deal is good for labor peace. It uh, to, seems to suggest that uh, they think that things will be normal uh, soon. Uh, but they're also not a team, the Tigers, that are close to the luxury tax. So you know, maybe other teams that are close to luxury tax will be more cautious here uh, in the in the next few weeks.
0: Well, what we know here in St. Louis is that the Cardinals are not and will not be close to the luxury tax. They don't seem to uh, get that far up on the <laughs> payroll uh, hierarchy. So we don't have to worry about that here, you know. But when you look at that Rodriguez deal. Do you think that lays the groundwork, that lays the uh, foundation for any other deals on this pitching market? Who do you think he sets the bar for?
2: Um, I think that means that uh, players like Gossman and uh, Stroman are going to easily clear that bar. Um, And um, I guess maybe someone like Anthony Discafani uh, will come in around there, maybe a little bit less. Um, so, uh, that's, that's where I think he sits in the market.
1: You know, a couple guys that we've mentioned here in St. Louis kind of in that mid-level market are John Gray and Stephen Matz. And I, I'm just curious, what do you, what are your thoughts on what, what their kind of value is and what their contract will be? John Gray, of course, is going to have that kind of course effect. What do you think is kind of their market and what the deals could look like for them?
2: I think there'll be shorter deals, uh, because there is some risk. They'll be smaller deals than what Discafani and and Rodriguez get. Um, I'm not sure that they're going to be one-year deals, though, because they're coming off of fairly good seasons, and I don't know that they would need to necessarily prove themselves again. Um, So I could see them getting sort of three for 30, uh, three for 40, somewhere in there, Uh, decent deals uh, that are not quite as uh, hefty as the Rodriguez deal. Uh, Rodriguez is younger Um, has better command than either of them. Um, So I think that 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 plays into it.
0: You know, when you're looking at this conceptually from the Cardinals perspective and you're thinking about, okay, we need a starter. We need somebody to put into this rotation. We're going to go to the market to be able to find that. We also just had five gold glovers, and it's the first team that has had that happen since we've been giving out gold gloves. They have a great defense. Last year is statistically the best defense in the sport. How does that defense play into the type of pitcher that you're going to be looking for in this year's market?
2: Well, they also have a great pitcher's park. So, um, you know, I I think, yes, Marcus Stroman would be a guy that would fit like a glove in terms of uh, creating a bunch of ground balls and uh, everyone behind him vacuuming those up. But a guy like Kevin Gossman, who's had some home run issues in the past, might also uh, fit in St. Louis just because that park will suppress some of those homers. I think the biggest question for the Cardinals is, you know, let's say, you know, right now they, they are about uh, maybe $20 million, 25 million short of um, you know where they were last year um, in terms of payroll. Mm-hmm. Do they think? Do they think? You know, hey, this is a situation where we want to blow it all on one player, like, know um, I'm sorry. I use the word blow. <laughs> I just mean like, do we want to use all of these resources on one player? Do we want to get uh, Marcus Stroman in here or Kevin Gossman and get uh, a number one or number two to, 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 slide in next to Flaherty and Wainwright? Um, or, uh, do we want to get two starting pitchers and maybe have a little money left over for a reliever or, or, or some sort of depth somewhere? Um, and I'm not sure that I know the answer for this because, you know, the Cardinals would benefit from having a short, a playoff series starter, right? So somebody that would slide in at the front of the rotation. But I also think that with Miles' uh, Miles's, uh, history and Dakota Hudson's command issues uh, and Jake Woodford's uh, greenness, basically, uh, that they could use two starting pitchers. And so I think that they might be in the uh, market for something, doing something where they get maybe one of Discofani or Gray, and then also add uh, somebody like uh, Rich Hill um, on a one-year uh, $6 million deal. Uh, something like that Andrew Haney deal, where here's a guy that you think is, is maybe undervalued by the market, you're not going to have to put much money into him for many years, um, and he'll slide right in. Maybe somebody like Tyler Anderson from the Mariners. Um, You know, just somebody that uh, fills out your rotation so that somebody like Dakota Hudson and Jake Woodford become your sixth and seventh starters. I think that might be the way to go.
0: If you go that route and Dakota Hudson is your sixth starter and he starts the year, then it, does he just become a reliever for you? And then if something were to happen in your rotation, you, you would slide him in there? It, I just... When I look at this team, I think they also need to add some offense. So I don't know if I would rather spend that six million dollars on that starter, that sixth starter, or if I would rather go out there to the market and find okay, what's the what are the bats that I can get for that six to eight million dollars?
2: Yeah, in that six to eight million dollar range, uh, I don't know if you are going to do any better than Lars Newtbar and Juan Yepes. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of those two guys. Yepes is coming off a great Arizona Fall League. Nubar added two, three miles an hour of exit velocity with a weighted bat program. Um, and uh, I think he looks like an excellent fourth uh, outfielder that could step in if, uh, you know, O'Neal takes a step back or Bader, uh, you know, doesn't take a step forward. I think, um, you know, and, and then if there's an NLDH, uh, Yefez or Nubar will play a lot. So I think that the, the starting rotation is definitely a place uh, for them to look to it, to upgrade. Um, and I don't know how much uh, that one and six will get you on the market. I don't even think it'll get you Jock Peterson um, anymore uh, after his, his postseason. So um, it, is a, it is a good question. Uh, I, I, don't, I think that's the big question in front of them. It's like how they, how they spend this $25 million um, and, uh, and where they target it. I, I think they'll end up spreading it around. That seems to be the, what the Cardinals have done in the past.
1: And, you know, you mentioned kind of that one-year deal around that $6 million range. You mentioned a, like, Tyler Anderson. A couple guys that we've kind of mentioned here in St. Louis are more of those guys that could be one-year deals, the veterans up at the top of the market, like a Zach Greinke or a Clayton Kershaw, maybe Justin Verlander. We saw Noah Syndergaard get one-year $21 million, and he's younger, coming off of Tommy John. What do you think it's going to cost for guys like a Clayton Kershaw or a a, a Justin Verlander, Verlander, guys like that on one-year deals, these veteran starters?
2: I, I I don't know how to analyze Clayton Kershaw because there's a weird language out there about, you know, if he decides to return, and there seemed to be a lot of pessimism about his injury. Um, and I thought uh, he was definitely headed for Tommy John at some point. Um, so I, I think that one's a, a, totally up to medicals. Um, you know, when he was on the bump, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball still. Um, and so the question is just, you know, what does that elbow look like? But somebody like Verlander, uh, he's already throwing in front of people. Uh, he's had almost two years removed from his Tommy John surgery. I would expect uh, that he will get a healthy deal. I think he would at least get the, the Noah Syndergaard deal, actually. Um, so I don't know if that's in the market for the, the Cardinals, unless they do um, you know, spend most of that money in one place. The, uh, the name that you mentioned there that I think is, is really interesting is Zach Greinke. The stuff has fallen off. But the command is still great, and he has five pitches. I, I you know, if he wants to play for one and ten, um, I think you know that could be one of the better ones to, to pick up. I think he has better health outcomes than Rich Hill. Um, I think he'd be a better pitcher than uh, necessarily than Mats and Gray, probably uh, even at this point in his career. So I think Granky is a, a fascinating name for me. I think it's up to whether or not he wants to play, and then he will definitely um you know show a lot of agency in where he wants to play yeah. i think he'll He'll basically pick exactly where he wants to play. <laughs> yeah, he
0: the Cardinals were on his no-trade list back in the day. I, this was like three years ago when the Cardinals were apparently at least rumored to be potentially interested, and it was like, no, he, they're on his no-trade list. I'm like, wait, what? Of all teams, the Cardinals are on that? So I, I don't know if you'd be interested or not, but we've talked about that as a potential fit as well. We're talking to Eno Saris of The Athletic. here on 101 ESPN. know, I know you're out in the Bay Area, and a guy that we've been talking a decent amount as well as a potential trade candidate for the cardinals is sean Mania. if the a's decide to do this full reset that they've been talking about what can you tell us about Mania? i know there were some injury questions early on in his career has he overcome some of that and how do you think he would fit with this cardinals team if they decided to go the trade route instead of the free agency route
2: um i think he fit in uh, just fine uh he changed uh, his slider last year and uh, had some of the best stuff. I have a, a stuff metric that looks at movement of velocities, and he had some of the best stuff of his career. He's always located the ball really well. Uh, he seems like a cardinal pitcher in terms of keeping the ball on the ground, not giving up homers, um, and uh, you know he doesn't he doesn't throw with gas, uh, but he's 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 good, and I think that might actually um be uh, in his favor because uh you know he's I, he, there's not much velocity to loose <laughs> I don't think he's like he's not a guy who like maybe Frankie Montas maybe more depends on you know throwing 96 97 I don't think Manaya depends uh, on throwing 92 93 so uh if he loses a half tick or something he'll still be good um so I think Manaya is one of the best uh I, I think maybe the best uh, trade target out of the three um, just because Chris Bassett, um, his out pitches his fastball, which is uh, his four fastball, with he he's pitches he's a very unique pitcher. That's it's hard to prognosticate how good he'll be going forward. Mania is uh, a, a command and control type pitcher that keeps the ball on the ground, and and uh, I think he's a good bet.
0: How much do you think the A's would be looking for in return? That's the thing that I've been having a, a difficult time really putting a a, a price on is. Okay, so he's on the last year of his deal. The A's seem to want to shed all the payroll that they possibly can. How much are they going to get for Sean Mania, do you think?
2: Yeah, he's the priciest out of uh, him, Montas and Bassett. Uh, Montas has another year left. Uh, Bassett is uh, going to be around $9 million. Mania is going to be around $10 million. Um, I, you know, I think it would take a, a young starting pitcher that they, they feel they could slot into their rotation. Um, I think that would be the main piece. Maybe there'd be a secondary piece that's a reliever or something or, or a reliever prospect even. Um, but I think, you know, I don't know who they like, um, but if they liked Woodford or if they liked, uh, you know, Hudson or if they liked, um, you know, any of the Cardinals kind of close guys, uh, maybe they would do the deal. Yeah. I think if, if they like one of those three guys, that might be the the basis of the deal. You know, a guy who only has one year left, who costs $10 million is not going to, you don't have to be start. You're not talking about Gorman or any of those guys. You know, like Hmm. you're talking about, uh, you're talking about maybe they capitalize on Yepes' Arizona Fall League because, um, you know, if there is no NLDH, um, you know, maybe Yepes doesn't have a place to play really. Um, But um, I I think the, the, the thing that they'd be looking for back is ready pitching.
0: We'll get you out of here on this, Eno. What do you think their interest level would be in a guy like Paul DeYoung, or do you think that because DeYoung makes six million dollars next year, he'd be just a, a complete non-starter for the A's?
2: Well, uh, they'd be uh, shuffling some stuff around. Um, I, you know, I think that probably Elvis Andrews is uh, you know one of the worst uh, shortstops in the league mm-hmm. right now, um, and so I think that would be a place they'd want to upgrade. Uh, there may have to be a money situation, but. Um, you know, if the Cardinals uh, take you know Elvis Andrews back as maybe either just they to, just to cut him, you know, just to take that money back, um, or to have Andrews as more of a, a you know utility guy uh, and make Sosa the starter, um, there could be something. There could be something there. Um, it could be something as much as uh, DeYoung and a and a, a starter that's on the rookie salary. If that's Oviedo, um, you know that they'd be saving four million dollars and then you throw the Anderson, they'd be saving them a little bit more. So, and they would get their their next uh, shortstop uh, to, to bridge them to Nick Allen. So I, th- th- that's the kind of stuff. People think that the A's are going to fire sale, but they're not going to fire sale into a rebuild like a lot of other places where they, they just try to get your, your 19-year-old an A ball that I think will be exciting in three years. They want to build a team that will be competitive next year again. Um, so, actually I think that was a great, a great idea. Something like De Young and Oviedo, uh, for Andrews and Manaya uh, if, if the money works out there, uh, there'll be some haggling over the money, but that might work.
0: Hey, that's the exact type of deal that I've been talking about. So I'm happy to hear that. It's not completely uh, crazy, uh, as a possibility for the A's. Hey, you know, we always appreciate the time, man. Love reading your work over at the athletic. People can follow you at your name. Eno Saris, E N O S A R R I S. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. And we'll talk with you again soon.
2: Yeah, thanks for
0: having me. Absolutely. That's Eno Seris joining us here on 101 ESPN. Not a bad idea. Apparently he thinks that I'm not completely crazy for uh the consideration of Paul DeYoung plus Oviedo for Sean Mania. Now, I don't think the Cardinals would be willing to take back Elvis Andrews in return unless it was just a pure roster situation where uh the A's aren't gonna cut him from their roster, so the Cardinals would immediately take him and then pff- you're going to go through waivers, and we'll see if anybody picks you up. Maybe that would be a possibility. I do not think Elvis Andrews is somebody they would be interested in for 2022. They're already pretty tight when it comes to what their roster will look like. But if I think the way that you might be able to make it work, the Cardinals eat a couple million bucks on Paul DeYoung's contract. They send Oviedo in return for um, Sean Manaya, And then you've got your starter for next year. Instead of going to the market and finding a guy on a multi-year 12 plus million dollar contract now you've got a one-year deal for Manaya he slots into your rotation and now you can go out there and still spend more money on the bats that you're looking for i, I think that makes all the sense in the world
1: yeah i'm with you i think shaman will fit here perfectly and Taintless if they can go get him i'm with you i don't think the cardinals would take elvis andrews and even if it was just one where you get him and then you put him through waivers to me that doesn't make sense because if you're going to rid the contract of paul de young to me you're looking if you have to eat like three million dollars that makes some sense but if i'm um, if, if you're Card- getting
0: something quality in return
1: yeah I, it, but if i'm the cardinals i don't think they're just looking to just basically swap a salary spot in 6 million for 6 million for andrews uh, that just doesn't seem like something they do if they want to move deyoung they want to eat get rid of some of that not all of it maybe maybe some of it but yeah that seems to be the perfect fit and deyoung for an oviedo for him i i i would be willing to pull that trade off in a heartbeat that's the thing is okay if, we have a
0: text right here. Absolutely no chance in hell I'm giving up both DeYoung and Oviedo for a guy like Sean Mania. What's the role for Oviedo here? That, that's the thing we've got to start thinking about is I, I know it sounds bad and I, I apologize for doing it this way, but it's, it's the reality of how the team will look at this. You got to start looking at some of these guys that are on the cusp as assets. What can Oviedo do for you on the big league club? Whether that be him pitching for you or getting you somebody who can. And right now, I just don't know when Johan Oviedo is going to slide into this rotation. You look at it's really crowded, man. You've got Libertor, who's on the cusp. You've got Woodford, who's very close, if not ready, to be in a rotation for a big league team, whether that be here or elsewhere. You look at what you have right now with Flaherty and Hudson. Michael signed for another couple of seasons that's already five and you haven't gone into any of the other guys that could impact that, including if you go sign somebody or trade for somebody, it's just tough to see the path for Oviedo to be an every fifth day starter for this team. So if you go that route, let's find somebody who can be, who is ready to go, who fits into your timeline right now. And then if Mania is very good, you probably re-sign him. If Mania is not good for you. All right. It was a one year deal. Didn't work out for you. You've still got depth down in the minors that can be able to cover for you as well is not a perfect pitcher, but I do think he makes a hell of a lot of sense here in St. Louis.
1: Yeah, he's not the perfect pitcher. And if you're the Cardinals, you have to move on from some of your assets before they lose some of their value. And I think that's something they've kind of gotten have fallen a little bit behind on. Like Andrew Kisner. I mean, has Andrew Kisner really had that much of a future here in St. Louis? He served as a quality backup. Yeah, because he'll be the bridge gap guy.
0: That's the difference is I can see the path. To how he becomes your everyday starting catcher, but I could also What's see a path? path for Oviedo. I
1: could also see a path where you just went out and signed a one-year stopgap catcher Maybe. to kind of fill in, kind of like a Manny Pena who just signed a deal with the Braves. I, they sometimes have been a little bit slower to kind of figure out whether or not this guy is an asset or a guy with the big league club. I mean, look at the crossroads they're in now with like an Alex Reyes, for an example. They're in a very tough spot. Starter, reliever—is he a trade asset? What are we going to do? With and now him? you're down
0: to two years left on his deal. Exactly. Don't get into that spot. Don't don't get don't get stuck. It's It's a good problem to have in some ways, but he has more value right now. Oviedo is still a what can he be as opposed to what could he have been. So while he's still a what can he be, he still has the potential that everybody can see, including us and other teams around the league, Uh, extracts that value out of him. Um, And if that means going out and trading him for a guy like Sean Mania or uh, somebody else that I'm not thinking of right now, there's probably others out there that maybe even fit better for this Cardinals team. I think that's the type of. Route that they should be looking at before diving headfirst into these these free agents free agency waters. It's ten fifty eight your time. check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. This has been the Danny Mac Show here on one hundred and one ESPN. Coming up from eleven to two, it is BK and Ferrario. We will have a lot of Blues talk today, including this has to be rock bottom. It has to be rock bottom for the Blues, and we'll talk about what happened last night. Coming up next on one hundred and one ESPN.